what up, Cosmetic Family? Welcome to the Cosmetic Podcast. Cosmetic means being a person or thing that gives rise to a phenomenon that is dynamic or energizing. We're tackling topics and telling the truth. I'm Roger Garros. I'm Keith Hudson. So today, one of my most favorite, favorite people in the world. When I tell y'all that he is so stinking interesting, I'm not even exaggerating because I'm not really a dramatic, exaggerating kind of When does stinking become... A good thing. He turned right. something that most people would think he is so stinking interesting and so amazing. I love, 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 love him. Y'all are going to love him too. You're going to feel extra smart after this podcast. I promise. So this podcast, I what promise. we're talking about, if these walls could talk. <gasps> oh, so Ryan Bean, who is joining us today, is the archivist and the the reference and outreach archivist with the Cass Family YMCA archives. Um, and when I tell you he has access, he knows history. The stories are amazing. He does amazing work with just telling the truth and the history of the YMCA. Welcome to the Cosmetic Podcast, Ryan. So excited to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And Rodrigo, I have to have you put that in paper for my next performance review. Yes, I, it's done deal. I'll email that to you later on today. Right. Done deal. <laughs> so, I mean, that is um, the title that no one holds uh, in the YMCA but you. There's a whole lot of program directors and sports directors, aquatics directors. Public CEOs. A reference and outreach archivists. archivists. It just says genius. That's yeah. what it says to me. So tell us about the genius stuff that you do in your role. Well, I work with really good people. That's the genius part. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely genius. <laughs> uh, no, you're you're right. I am very fortunate um, in that I have one of those jobs that, like you say, no one else has. My wife, Natalia, goes, you're the only person in the world who has that job. And that's just a, a nature of the work. But so the the official words language is is we are responsible me and my colleagues uh, there's one other full-time person alex bentley and then students who really are the lifeblood yeah work and you know help make sure the trains keep running and trying and all that but what we we do is we preserve provide access and help interpret and contextualize the rich history of the american ymca movement so <sighs> that's that's it is i really am lucky that i get paid to among other things Think about the YMCA all day and try to figure out what the heck is this thing? Yes. Yeah. I'm still working on that, but I got a few theories. So. Yes. Okay. When you figure it out, please let me be the first to know. <laughs> I, <laughs> love, everything I, what I'm man, I love uh, stories. I wish I could say I'm a history buff, but I like history and the stories that it has to tell. Mm -hmm. Can you take us to one of the earliest stories of the YMCA from an American based on research that you all have done? Oh boy. Um, I'll tell you a couple of favorite stories. And I think you, we all are historians, whether we know it or not. I feel right. like we all have our personal histories. Most of the people we work, everyone we work with has their histories. Most of our, our button heads is when we don't understand each other's histories. So we, yes, we understand yes. history, but we don't maybe necessarily think about it. Um, but I will tell uh, a story. Um, this is one of my more favorite ones um, about like the unintended consequences of this of the work that the mm -hmm. guys do. And I like to share this because you never know 
what you're going to do. Before the, I was in the archives, I was a youth worker, so mm. a youth worker at heart. And so this is why I love this job as it married a passion of service and working with people with history. I was an uh, undergrad in history. So when I found this, it worked really well. But um, this story is about uh, the YMCA in Korea. And when the, the Americans, so a little over half the wives around the world are the result of American YMCA secretaries is what they were called then, CEOs mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. uh, participating in a missionary enterprise, spreading Christianity in the YMCA organization across the globe. And they came to Korea and, and they did many things. This, this man's name is William Gillette. Mm -hmm. uh, his main purpose was education. So they ran like a vocational training school, teach people trades and, and all that sort of stuff. And you never know the details, right? History is written with little scraps of, of, of evidence. And so we have reports and correspondence and memos of him writing to New York and talking about what he's doing with the guys and what they're learning and what they need. Usually they need money. Mm -hmm. they need more money. I don't know if you're still- Some saying things don't change. Right. <laughs> some things don't change. <laughs> but um, you don't know the context behind it, but at some point in one of these days, like happens in the Y, they probably found themselves with some free time. They had the guys and they needed to, they figured out something to do, right? So somehow, he, they, uh, he organized a, a pickup game of baseball. And uh, he is now known and recognized as like the father of Korean baseball. Wow! And many years ago, um, there, the uh, Korean sports agency or something was celebrating the 100 year anniversary of, of baseball in Korea. And, the archives was able to try to help connect them with uh, ancestors of this individual. They came and did like a history detectives uh, like interview for Korean TV and like the document where Gillette and baseball are written on the same page. And wow. the, the point being is he was probably filling time, right? Yeah. You, know, you, work with kids, you, got, you got a lot of time you got to fill and you can either constructively fill it or, you know, just try to while it away. But he brought what he was doing, what he knew, and you never know what's going to happen. And in, in addition to all this great other work he was doing, he also brought baseball to Korea. And wow. I, I love that. Like, you just never know the impact you're going to have. And, and often, I'm sure he never knew. Right. right. Never knowing that he was going to do that. He did that or it played out that way. Couldn't, I always learn something new whenever I talk to right. Ryan. Right. Oh, man. Right. And so... As a part of the, the amazing things that you're doing in your role, you have you have a project called Decoding Punch Cards, the development of a Zooniverse. What is a Zooniverse? <laughs> that and then what is this project? That's it sounds so interesting. Oh, you did your homework. Good for you. Yeah, we were very proud to finish that. Um we uh, so the centennial of the end of World War One was uh, a few years ago, and uh, well, I guess you're recording, so you're quote, you're, you're quoting me on this, but there was something around twenty five thousand men and women uh, who were engaged with the Y during World War One, mm -hmm. and the day after the President Wilson declared the U.S. was going to enter the war, then General Secretary John Mott said, "The American Y is with you." Now you all are in the Y, right? And so if YUSA said every YMCA in the country is with you, how mm. true is that? Mm. Not really, right? You all Not get to really. for yourselves. And mm. yet he said this and was able to, with his, you know, he was an organizing genius um, and he probably called in a lot of favors and whatnot, but it happened. The, the, by and large, the American YMCA stepped up 
engage the communities. Uh, we're able to bring in about over 25,000 men and women to work into the war effort. And they did it almost overnight. So, so these punch cards are, um, it's an analog database. It's a little card. If you ever saw like way back in the days when computers were first coming out, maybe you see it in like documentaries, movies that they would program with punch cards. Yes. She, she remembers. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can't it, <laughs> It's like that, but it's not like that. But it has all this information about who they are, what they did, yeah. what their qualifications are. And this, so this is a rich source of information. It's a, it's a, it would be a database you could cross-reference, but it's it was locked in this format, what we call an analog format. It wasn't mm -hmm. digital, but you would have these keys you could phone through. So you go, I want to find all the, the women. And so you'd put the key in and you'd shake it up and then you would sort the cards that way. And that's how you would. <gasps> do a query or whatever. And so uh, Zooniverse is a platform. Um, uh, I believe it, it was born out of, it's a, it's a partnership, it's a, around the globe, um, but it is, um, it's called for citizen scientists. And it wow. started with um, uh, astronomy where they would have, you know, Hubble and all these telescopes were taking billions of pictures, billions of pictures, way more than computers, and the computers need to be trained on that. And so you folks like you and me, citizen scientists would go through, they'd say, hey, click every star that's yellow. And you'd go through and you click it. And that would, you do the processing. So they've since grown that platform into the humanities and other things. And so we use that. And we had thousands of people from all around the globe, just with their own goodwill, go through and tag all the different holes that these people had, all their attributes. So we now know that, this individual spoke German and they were deployed in France and they were paid this much money. So we created a data set. And uh, the hope is, is that now it's out there for the world and other people, genealogists use this a lot. We, we partnered with Family Search, which is an outfit um, out in Utah that does a lot of genealogy. So these cards are there, people can look at, but it's just a, it was an interesting way to get the broader community to participate in, in helping unleash the, the knowledge that's trapped in the archives. Man, so, you know, when we say that the why is just not a swimming gym, we have all kinds of evidence to show that, but we still only talk about gym and swim kind of stuff. Like that is amazing. Right. So how do you, how do we get past that gym and swim mentality to, to, <gasps> to really uh, engage people into the history of the YMCA? Oh, all you you do it right it's not just the past but it's it's the today and um which whatever the wise shines a light on is what people are going to see about it and, and yeah you know they do great things right. a lot of the great work that the Y does has its roots in the past you know the, mm -hmm. the gym and swim came about a good 50 years or so after the Y was in the u.s so it's not our foundation and it's reminding that gym and swim was a solution to a problem Mm. So what are the problems that the why is trying to be a solution to? And I think now one of one of the problems that I think that we uh we set up for our gym and swim today. So here's my little education. So I was listening to I uh, scrolling through some podcasts one day and I saw this one podcast about um cigarette smuggling. Cigarette smuggling, not smoking? No, smuggling. Smuggling. That's a thing. That's a thing. Oh. And how the y and how the YMCA we smuggle cigarettes? <laughs> oh my god. So, you know, I'm I'm done peak my interest now, right? So I'm listening. So, 
Uh, long story short, but it was basically about this smuggling goes on from North Carolina to New York. And so they traced the roots back to cigarettes and how they became so popular. And they became popular because the YMCA would give those to the servicemen. I believe it was World War II um, as a relief, I guess, of, of sorts. Are you aware of that? I didn't know about the up and down the coast, but I, I do no, know. No, no, the why did not smuggle now, please? Uh, yeah. I'll pardon this interruption, everybody. The YMCA <laughs> did <laughs> not. Like, the YMCA did not smuggle. <laughs> well, we just provided cigarettes. We provided cigarettes, yeah. and therefore cigarettes became popular, and therefore you got popularity of cigarettes today. And, and there's a really cute photo in the archives online. Um, in World War One, they had um, little dogs, uh, French bulldogs, that would have cartons of cigarettes sort of like on a harness on their side. And they would they go through the trenches and drop off uh, uh, cigarettes for the, for the troops. And, and probably um, at one point in time, the Y was probably one of the largest purveyors of tobacco on the planet for yep. a year or so. What? Another, another example, if I can, if you hear me, on unintended consequences. So I, yes. heard, this, I heard this story from um, a, a friend and, and retired executive. And he, uh, he had this older individual that every year gave pretty generously to the, the annual campaign. And, and there was no other connection as far as they could tell from this person. They just, this old man gave pretty good amount of money every year. And at one point in time, he had the insight that you should probably ask this guy why he's giving so much money mm. <laughs> and see if there's some more there. Well, it turns out, long story short, that this guy was a, a vet of World War I and credited the why that dog and those cigarettes for saving his sanity. And ever since then, yep. was grateful to the organization. Had no affiliation with the why other than yep. the why was there to help wow. him in his time of need and continue to pay dividends into the future for that. So my thought to that is that, hmm, we created this problem. And now our solution today is Jim and Swim. It's Jim and Swim. (laughs) But you know, Ryan, I have heard you tell amazing stories about unintended consequences in the YMCA. Like we initially we were trying to do a good thing, but later on we had an aha moment like, um, we probably shouldn't do that. That's probably I mean, even in the book by Heather McGee, the some of us, when they talked about segregating pools in, in Mississippi, right? The, when when all of that was going on, the Y came in as the community convener, right? And like, hey, we know the city doesn't, we'll go in and we'll run the pools and we'll follow your, we just want to make sure that people still have access, but not knowing unintended consequences, you were upholding segregation. Like you were keeping people out of the pool. Clearly that wasn't the intention, but looking back, we're like, oh, hmm. yeah. yeah, that probably, yeah. yeah, that probably wasn't the best thing to do. Well, that's why I think history is important because it helps us be curious. Yeah. And, yes. Um, you know, why is it reflection of their communities? Good and, you know, room for improvement. Yeah. And so as the community kind of gets hip, so maybe we shouldn't be doing that. That's yep. the why is getting hip to that too. Yeah. I think the why has a, a role to help us get caught up to speed a little quicker than maybe we I, need I, think yeah. So. Yeah. I think yeah. so. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and just sometimes just saying when you know better, you do better, right? Like, ah, we we made those mistakes. It doesn't, it, it doesn't have to define us as an organization moving forward. We can realize 
that that wasn't the best practice and here's what we're going to do to rectify it as opposed to sometimes getting we sometimes get a little knee jerk and defensive and be like oh no no we didn't do that we did we did that <laughs> but let's stop doing it now okay now that we know let's just stop it's fine 100 yeah. percent. yeah it's not yeah. about apportioning blame it's about no yeah so man as you dig through all those all that juicy information there like what a i mean what was, if you can reflect back to kind of your, one of your first like aha moments as you were digging through all the research on on the why and yeah. that one moment just kind of excited you? You know, it was it was kind of a slow drip. Um, mm. and, and that, so my, this the history I studied in my undergrad was kind of like progressive era and, and labor politics and that kind of the, really the defining moment of, of the why, the, the late 1800s, early 1900s. But what I I've saw, what I have seen, and what I continue to see is that um, as big as the Y is, it's it's small compared yeah. to like all oh, yeah. the oh, yeah. world, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and so the Y really punches above its weight. It, the Y has had a tremendously outsized influence on America and international and global affairs. Uh, my wife just, you know, I could probably hear her eyes rolling now because her spider senses are tingling because she knows I'm about to say, you, you know, the why <laughs> fill in the blank. And there is, and it's not about, and, and people in the why oftentimes get really obsessed with the firsts, right? Like we invented basketball. Uh, that's great, you know, but really when you dig into that, why was basketball was created? What was the problem that was being solved? And the the, the capacity for the why to spot opportunity mm-hmm. turn it into a program and share that with a larger community is something to behold. And yeah. so as I started, it went from being, you know, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Huh. Another one. Uh, here we go again. It just, you know, it just is yeah. an ongoing thing of I can't believe they they continue. And I and researchers come and continue to enlighten me on uh the why being in the very least part of a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is is, is so amazing. So I, I remember we did a um a Black History Month program here in Dallas, a virtual event. And you put together an amazing, amazing, amazing PowerPoint for me, just chronicling the history of African-Americans in the movement. It, it, I mean, it was a game changer. It was so much that I didn't know. I almost couldn't do the presentation because I was so busy having these mind blown moments um, during, during me trying to give the presentation to other people. But in that space, because it's, it's so much work and it absolutely mirrors and, and I would think impacts, you know, the history of this country in terms of race relations and, and right. as such. What, what are some of your favorite stories or the, or the more pivotal moments that, you know, in your research in that space? Um, you know, the because like I said, the why is a reflection of its community. I, I feel like the why is um a really powerful lens into humanity and yeah. people and how and how we, we think and how we tick and what motivates us. I'll tell two uh quick ones there. One I, I hold up regularly because it it defies what I think I have the energies to to bring to the table, and that is uh Bandwise, the black and non-white yes. secretaries that came out in the late 60s, early 70s. And 
what what I find so inspiring about Bandwise is it's an example of the Y movement holding itself accountable. Mm. Right? These were these were folks who were sick and tired of being sick and tired, as people mm-hmm. say, right? Mm-hmm. And they could have, and frankly should have. <laughs> a lot of people probably were telling them, "Get out of there." Yeah. What, what are you stacking around here for? You know, on, on paper, there's nothing special about a YMCA, right? There's there's nonprofits, nor, but there is something special. Yes. There's, something, there's some yeah. secret sauce that keeps people uh, in it. And right. so yeah. that, that group on their own got together to hold the organization accountable and call out institutional racism to great personal uh, potential sacrifice yeah. is incredibly inspirational. And, and that's, a, that's an example I hold up time and time and time again um, mm. about, you know, what does courage look like? What does mm. truth telling look like? Um, it's, you know, it's just being transparent. The other thing that I, that I love is, you know, it's the Young Men's Christian Association. Yeah. And uh, uh, most of those labels are pretty powerful, pretty loaded, and lots of people have lots of opinions. About yes. Them. And so I've, I've been researching um, for the about last eight years pretty intensely um, a former program called Why Indian Guides. All right. Mm-hmm. Guides. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the whole other podcast for a whole other day. Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it creates a whole lot of questions as to why. Mm. What is going on in society? What is going on with, with these people that they've yeah. held to? take on another person's culture. What was going on in, in, in American society, frankly, white middle-class American society mm-hmm. that made it so difficult for dad to say, I love you, but Grey Wolf could. So I'm a father of a six-year-old. So I I, I really, I, it speaks to that me. That is so deep, Ryan. Yes. <sighs> that is so, see, every time I talk to Ryan, I'm just speechless, So mind blown. I've had uh, the opportunity here in Dallas to uh, oversee the Moreland uh, branch, which uh, was named after Jesse Moreland. And it was the Black Y when it's founded in 1928. And so looking at some of that history there, being able to see some of the folks who stayed at the YMCA, like Muhammad Ali, Ernie Banks, it draws me back to Dr. King and him being involved with the Y. So I just wanted to hear a story about some of the things that you may have found about Dr. King and his involvement with the Y. You know, there's not, uh, it's, it's pretty superficial in the record. Mm. We know there's more there. There's, there's two things on that. Um, one is during that time period uh, um, in most communities, I don't think it was a branch. It was maybe even an independent, you know, an independent association, right? Yeah. And, but there was what was called the Colored Work Department Office that helped, like, like res- or field officers or the resource centers sort of today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the that records, which are digitized, and anybody in the world can get access to them and see and read Doc, you know, Jesse Moreland's uh, letters and reports and stuff, and it's fascinating. But the truth is, is um, they were... Uh, doing the, the Lord's work with very minimal resources compared to the need, right? Yeah. So you could write reports or you could do the work, right? Yeah. So they, they, there is record keeping, there is documentation, but you just know you're missing 
nine tenths of the story. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. But True. one important thing about that narrative that kind of comes up from time you know the why Dr. King stayed at the Y, right? But as you said, which YMCA did he stay in? And and so while the Black Y movement was vibrant and strong and connected, the larger Y movement, writ large, there are exceptions, but writ large, was I think it's fair to say largely indifferent. Mm -hmm. So this is where qualifying what your our statements are important because when you know if we go around saying the Y was a champion of the civil rights movement and then something happens and then they will work okay champion right <laughs> I'm ready yeah. for you step yeah. up yeah. Um, yeah it's a very different thing and it's a much more um, uh, impactful conversation to unpack which wise in what context and what were they doing yeah, yeah. why was yeah. a safe space to 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 get together and have uh transparent conversations uh without feeling like you're you're putting yourself at risk right right um, right it, it was a it was both a logistical convenient place and a, a necessary you know the, the why and the church were one of the handful of spaces probably available at that time so um so i don't have uh, any juicy uh tidbits there but i'll go check in with uh uh the folks down in atlanta and see what see what they uh, i think they got a few things down i there. bet they got more a lot more going on probably, <laughs> right probably well it has been amazing amazing as usual if these walls could talk i encourage anybody huh you gotta whisper it if these walls could talk because they might be whispering like that that's kind of creepy. That's that's not that's kind of well, creepy. I tell you what, if some walls start to talk, <laughs> if they started to talk right that, now, that this would be the little be over, over. Yes, it would. But I encourage anyone out there that is listening, please, please, please reach out to Ryan Bean um, at the Cats Family YMCA Archives. I promise, anything you want to know history-wise, you want to make some correlations, you want to understand how do we get here today, where we've been, what can we re-energize. He is the one for you. I, I'm, I get smarter every time I talk to Ryan, and I'm a genius. Like, I'm that, almost genius. That, level. that bar wasn't very high. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, hey, Cosmetic family, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. <laughs> On this episode called Hey, subscribe and listen to us weekly. And don't be shy. Give us a five-star review. And as always, be dynamic, be phenomenal, be cosmetic. cosmetic.